this morning, Mark chapter number 6, Mark chapter number 6, this morning I told Anna, or I need to tell Anna, I'm telling Anna now, that when you're in college you need to learn to speak extemporaneously, that's a fancy word meaning off the cuff, and um, I remember the first time, I probably shared this with you, I was in um, Bible college, and um, I, had, um, I had told my, when I was in the Navy, I was in Pascagoula, Pascagoula, Mississippi, where the squirrel went berserk, first self-righteous church, that, that, that Pascagoula. And I uh, went to Bible Baptist there, loved that church. They were just a family to me when I was in the military there. I'd gotten saved and uh, went to that church. And uh, after I went to Bible college, we'd go back there from time to time. And, and I told uh, Brother Wright, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive that he was relatives with Moses. I mean, he was, he was, he was old as Methuselah and um, great man of God. I mean, just, just loved him. And I made the mistake of telling him that I was called to preach. And um, he loved young preachers. I mean, he loved to help them, be a blessing to them. And um, I remember the first time um, and the only time that I ever went to that church that I wasn't ready to speak, and uh, we were in the prayer room. Some of you all heard the story. We'd go before the church, before church, all the men, uh, right before church, about five minutes, ten minutes before church time started, and we'd go off to a room and uh, stand in a circle and uh, have prayer. Of course, it was a very small church, and and um, and uh, Brother Wright would make a couple of announcements, and then uh, and then he and then we pray and we pray for the service and go back go back into the service and service would start. And we were standing there and went in there and I was uh, visiting and, and uh, went in that room and, and uh, he made the announcement he needed to make and then he said, and, uh, and uh, Brother Joe will be preaching this morning. I was praying that there was another Brother Joe in that room. There was not. And uh, that was the first time that I heard of it. And I'm talking about, where's the 10 minutes before service? And so um, you talk about Panic Central. Uh, that was probably the shortest message uh, that I have ever preached. And um, you know how preachers say this is going to be short, and you just like yeah, whatever. That one was, and uh, I remember every single time after that. Now he didn't call me call on me every time, but I'm telling you, I was ready every time I went to that church. And uh, he would have a meeting. Brother Wright, I, I loved him. He'd have a, he'd have a meeting. Have I mean he'd have he'd have the big shots uh, that were that were uh, in uh, in and around that area, and they'd come in and they all be ready to preach. And he'd call some preacher boy from the from the floor, sitting right next to a you know somebody equivalent to you know Harold Seidler, and he'd call that preacher boy, and that preacher boy'd come up and and the other preacher would be like. What in the world? And that kid would preach, and then he'd, he'd call on somebody, and then he'd call on another preacher boy, and that preacher boy would come up, and it was, it was great. He, uh, he uh, one year, uh, I'm reminiscing a little bit, one year he had uh, this guy who was an evangelist. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he had a, uh, he had, he had a uh, uh, disability, and he had a, didn't have a prosthetic. It was like a, it was like a wooden leg, older guy. And he'd get up and, man, I'm telling you, he'd get, he'd get so excited, he'd unclip that leg. 
And he'd hop around that, and he'd swing that leg around, and he's preaching. I'm thinking to myself, that guy's going to go down. And that's uh, crazy things. I don't remember a thing he preached, but I remember him hopping around on one leg, uh, thinking to myself, he's going to throw that leg out into the congregation. And uh, some doozies uh, through the years. But um, I remember that first time that I had to do that, and I thought to myself, uh, you know, the Bible says, be instant in season and out of season. And uh, I was instant in season from then on out. And uh, no matter where I go, if I go on vacation, I always bring several sermons with me. Uh, I don't even know the church that we're going to, but <laughs> I will always be ready uh, to, um, uh, to, to preach the word or uh, to give a testimony and um, uh, all that. Uh, God, I got sidetracked a little bit there. But uh, Luke, uh, Mark chapter 6, uh, this morning, Mark 6, it's certainly good uh, to have Anna back. I know the summer will go fast, uh, but uh, certainly good to have her <clears throat> Back in the services here, uh, it's been actually cold uh, up in West Virginia and uh, crazy, crazy weather. Matter of fact, in April it snowed, and uh, when we were up there, <coughs> excuse me, up there it was uh, jacket weather, and um, and so just 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 now when we went up to get her in the end of April, beginning of May, and so um, uh, she says it's going to be hot in Georgia, isn't it? I said, yeah. You, Remember, it, uh, summer's coming, and uh, it's, gonna, it's not quite here yet, but it's going to get there uh, before we know it. Mark chapter number 6, and uh, I want to uh, do a, it's just a really familiar um, passage here in um, Mark, uh, um, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 7. <coughs> Mark chapter number 7, and uh, verse number 6. Mark chapter 7, verse 6, He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of the hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and mother, and thy mother, and whosoever curseth father or mother, let him, let him die the death. And, but ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever, ye, or whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And he suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions which ye have delivered, and many such like things ye do. As you read this passage of scripture here, and Jesus is is uh, is, is speaking here, and he's speaking here uh, to uh, what we would. A call today the religious crowd. So he's speaking here to uh, the Pharisees who were very big, if you would, on, uh, on tradition. And uh, often tradition would even trump or be equal to Scripture uh, with this religious crowd. And they were 
if you will, they were very proud of their religion. And uh, so, uh, so Jesus here is not commending them for their religion. He is confronting them about their religion and how religion can often be shallow and how religion can often be vain and how it doesn't often doesn't help you in your day-by-day life. And so uh, when a lot of people talk about Christianity today, they use the word religion. Be careful uh, of that word because often that word is connected with, in the scriptures anyways, with the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they were the crowd that Jesus often confronted. They were the crowd Jesus often um, uh, was correcting and was telling them that uh, what you are saying and what you're doing is vain and shallow. And so he, um, he confronts them here uh, in, in this, obviously in Mark chapter, uh, chapter number 7, to let them know, look, you're not, you're, you're not accomplishing. I was hoping that's what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, what, you, what you're accomplishing is not, uh, is not beneficial. It's not beneficial to you, and it's not beneficial to others. You know, when it comes to the things that we do, the things that we say, they ought to be beneficial to other people. Um, Ephesians 4 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So the things that I'm saying is benefiting somebody else. The things that I'm doing are beneficial to somebody else. And Jesus, by confronting this religious crowd, is telling this religious crowd, what you're doing is not benefiting yourself. It's not benefiting other people. So really, in this passage, he's doing, he's really doing something twofold. One, he's confronting the religious crowd, the Pharisees, and telling them, look, what you're doing is, is not helping. And at the same time that he's doing that, He's ministering to his disciples, those in the multitude, those that are listening, and letting them know that what what they're doing is not beneficial. So kind of, it's a twofold message here that he is uh, uh, rebuking, if you would, is probably the best biblical word anyways, rebuking these Pharisees for uh, uh, a, a vain and empty religion. That's what religion often brings. It often brings emptiness uh, in our lives. This people, this is what Jesus said, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Does that sound familiar? Really sounds familiar to me in in the day that we're living today. A lot of people... A lot of people today talk a big talk. They say one thing, but their life, life doesn't back up the words that they use or the words that they say. And um, they're talking a big talk about how they love God. They're talking a big talk about how they love people. They talk a big talk about how they love the Word of God. But 
their their life is the opposite, and uh, God calls that uh, hypocrisy, religion. It's an interesting thing. Let me tell you where, where where religion where religion leads us. Be careful, be careful that you don't delve into religion uh, in your life. Now, it's easy to pinpoint religion in our world when it comes to other people. Oh, they're they're religious. They're traditional. They're vain. They're empty. And you can put your finger on them, but often there's a lot of people that sit in churches. There's a lot of people that sit in Baptist churches that have nothing more than religion. They have nothing more than an, an, an empty, vain, traditional religion in their life. Why do you do what you do? Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you say what you say? You know, we ought to have a reason. Jesus gives us a reason. And by the way, the Bible scripture, scripture tells us that we ought to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. But the problem is we can't give an answer for the hope that lies within us because too often there's no hope that lies within us. Because we're empty. We put on a facade. We wear a suit. We got our hair right. We got our talk right. We've got our walk right. Everything just seems to be okay. If you talk to the person, they tell you everything's hunky-dory. They got a smile on their face. But inside, they're, it's like dead men's bones. It's like a, a scripture, Jesus uses this terminology. Why did sepulchers? Sepulchers is like a tomb. And it's just dead men's bones inside. I mean, we're putting on a good outward show, but our inward man is perishing day by day. Let me tell you where religion will lead. If we're not careful, religion will lead to lip service without life service. Lip service without life service. We'll talk a good talk, but then we don't back it up with a good walk. You know, often we put our foots in our mouth. You ever, you ever put your foot in your mouth? I've probably done it more than I would like to admit. Uh, sometimes, uh, like Peter, I'll put two feet in my mouth. And um, you always, often that happens when you speak before you think. You know, you think or you speak before you pray. Um, often we'll put our, put our foot in our mouth. We'll say, we'll say one thing, but then we live a completely different a different. Uh, a different life. Listen, I have no problem. I have absolutely no problem going into a store and that store requires me to wear a mask. I don't have a problem with that. I put the mask on and go in the store. But if I go in the store and the employees don't have a mask on, I'm taking my mask off. I mean, if you're going to require it, then require it from everybody. If you're not going to require it, then don't require it. I mean, I... I'm not going to mix words about it. I'm just telling you, if you're going to require it, then require it from everybody. Well, from your employees, from everybody that comes in there, from vendors, whoever it is. If you're going to require it, require it from everybody. If not, you're just being hypocritical. That's all, that's all that is. And you can't tell one person to put it on and another person not to put it on. And that's what we do. Now, and that's just an example of often of what our Christianity ends up being. We say one thing. It's like raising our children. We say, say, we say to our children often, do as I say, not as I do. 
It's a dangerous, that's a dangerous thing to do. See, you're saying that this is important and you should be doing this, but I'm not doing this. Well, if it's so important, sooner or later, by the way, your kids are going to get smart enough, and, and usually it's a lot earlier nowadays, and they're going to look at you and say, well, if this is so important, why aren't you doing it? What, why, if, it's, if it's important to tithe, why aren't you tithing? Why would you talk to your kids about tithing if you're not doing it? Why would you talk to your kids about going to church if you're not doing it? Why would you talk to your kids about reading your Bible if you're not doing it? We ought to lead by example, not just what, with what we say, but what we do. Now, I understand there are some things that we do that our kids don't. I drive. You know, if I had a 12-year-old, my 12-year-old doesn't drive, right? So I understand that. There are some things that, uh, that you can do that your children can't do, but there. But by and far, we ought to be leading by a life lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 6. Mark chapter 7 and verse 6. He said, he answered, said unto them, Well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And they're talking... A really good talk. That's what Jesus said. Talking a really good talk. But guess what? I'm not fooled. Guess what? God is never fooled. You can fool man, right? Usually it's not really hard. And you can fool the preacher, and you can fool your Sunday school teacher, you can even fool your family. But you can't ever fool God. Because God knows the real you. God knows your heart. God knows your thoughts. God knows your intentions. God knows all these things, and you cannot fool Him. We have got to be careful with our lips. And if we're going to say something, let's back it up. Let's back it up. If we're going to talk about how important church is, let's back it up by being there. If we're going to talk about how important uh, Bible study is, let's, let's, let's make sure that we're studying our Bibles. If we're going to talk about how, how important it is to, uh, to be a witness, then let's be a witness. Don't just talk one thing. You see all these preachers. I'm telling you, it's, it's saddening. These, these TV preachers and these you know, preachers that are in the public and in the public eye, and you know they've accomplished so much, and, and they've done so much, and you've looked up to them, and... And then, and then they, then they, they fall. And I'm here to tell you, often it's not an "oops, I made a mistake." Often it's years and years and years. I, I say all the time. I say this all the time about um, you know. There's a difference between making a mistake and, and something that's and then something that's part of your life. You know. Okay, uh, you know, uh, oh, I well, I took a drink is different than I go to the that go to the bar every week. There's a difference between the two of those things. There's a difference between I, uh, you know, I, I looked at that woman and I shouldn't have, and I've had a relationship with her for three years. There's a difference between those two things. Now, don't misunderstand me. I know sin is sin. I'm just telling you, there is a difference between those two things. And so often, uh, we're saying one thing and we're putting into the public, uh, this public eye of, uh, of uh, you know, I, I get on all the time. Some of you may have this and, and, and I, don't, I don't 
I don't knock you for it, but I'm just saying there's often we got bumper stickers or fish on the back of our car or there's something that announces to the world that we're Christian. Isn't that what that does? Sure it does. Sometimes I wonder if the person bought the car with the fish on it. Maybe they should probably scrape it off because they certainly ain't acting like a Christian. I've seen it often with, uh, uh, you know, churches will do it. We did it for a little while where you can get a sticker and you can put it on your car. I always know, I always know Miss Joyce. I was following the other day, Miss Joyce. And uh, following her, uh, she was pulling out of somewhere. I said, man, this woman is driving so slow. I said, oh, that's Miss Joyce. I saw the little sticker up in her van in the, that says Eureka Baptist Temple. And uh, lets me know that it's Miss Joyce. Uh, but uh, sometimes you see those stickers and it says, follow me to such and such church. I was like, does your pastor know that you got that sticker on your bumper or in your window? Because you're not, sometimes we're not acting. And I'm not saying we're perfect. Uh, not by any stretch. But often we're portraying with our life something that's completely opposite with what we're saying with our lips. And so we've got to be uh, vitally careful because religion will result in lip service uh, without life service. Uh, uh, religion will also often uh, uh, end up uh, uh, resulting in head knowledge without heart knowledge. Head knowledge without heart knowledge. We know a lot of things. We know about a lot of things. But boy, I'm telling you, church, if it never gets to your heart, it's never going to get anywhere. It's never going to change your life. It's never going to make you more like Christ. It's not going to make you a better father, a better husband, or a better worker, or a better citizen, or a better Christian. If it never gets to your heart. So I talk about salvation, you know, the importance of knowing Christ as our Savior. It's more than knowing it here. We've got to know it here. So if we just know it here, it's just a head knowledge. Don't you know, I hope you do know, that the devil and the angels know that Jesus Christ is the Savior. They know exactly who Jesus is. But they're, but they're not saved because they have that knowledge. We can have all the knowledge we want. We can have all the knowledge in the world that we want. Some of the smartest people I know are some of the dumbest people I know. I mean, it's absolutely mind-boggling to me. Sometimes our head knowledge will get in the way of absolute logic. Have you noticed that? Sometimes we allow all this stuff that goes on in our head to affect how we live our lives. There's one person that I, in, in years past that I've I dealt with over and over and over again. Very, very, very intelligent person. Let me tell you what this very, very intelligent person had a hard time with. You know what they had a hard time with? Faith. Just simple faith. You know why? Because faith doesn't always make sense. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, the Bible talks about the churches at Macedonia. They gave in their poverty. By the way, they didn't just give. They gave liberally in their poverty. Wait a minute. How do you... Liberally means a lot. How do you give a lot when you're broke? You got that one figured out? You don't do a whole bunch of anything when you're broke, do you? You certainly don't give money away when you're broke. Why? Because you've got to pay your bills. You gotta get... what, did the, what did the little widow woman do? She went down and gave 
everything that she had, gave it all. Now, does that make, now how's she going to eat? Remember Elijah? When he was with that woman in Zarephath, and he, and he told her to, to go make him, she said, no, no, she said, I only have enough. I only have enough oil. I only have enough meal to make a, a meal for me and my son, and, we'll, and, and then we'll perish. What did he do? He said, no, 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 no. He said, go make one for me first. Do what? <laughs> do, you understand, I only have enough for me and my son. If I make it for me and my son, we'll be able to live for a little bit longer. If I make it for you, we're dead. We won't make it. We won't make it at all. You'll live and we'll die. What do you tell her to do? Go make it anyways. And she made it anyways. And guess what? She had more oil and more meal than she could deal with. And she had it to, throughout the famine. Had enough for her. Had enough for the man of God. Why? Because she did what she did by faith. And sometimes when we have that head knowledge, we want everything to work out. We want that equation in the end to have an answer. We want everything to make sense. Two plus two equals four. It always needs to equal four. Because if it doesn't equal four, then it doesn't make sense and I don't accept it. And often a head full of knowledge blocks our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, faith only begins when it comes to salvation. Our life's as Christians ought to be lived by faith. We are to live day by day by faith, not by sight, not by what we can see, not by what necessarily makes sense, but by what God says and how God says it. That's how we should live our lives. We ought to be following the Lord Jesus Christ, and we ought to be following Him by faith, a head knowledge without, without a heart knowledge. The Pharisees that he was speaking to often had um, these things called phylacteries. Phylacteries. Interesting, um, interesting word. It was basically a headband or a wristband or something they put around their waist and they would stick Scripture in them. And Scripture would be They were always memorizing Scripture. They were always memorizing the law. But I want you to know, they weren't memorizing the law for their benefit. They were memorizing the law so they could point out somebody else's fault. Do you remember often Jesus was being trapped by the religious crowd and asking them questions? Remember the woman that was was, uh, caught in adultery? And they... What were they trying to do? They were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to trap him with the law. Why? Because they knew the law. And they knew beyond the law. They knew the traditions uh, of their religion. And they were often didn't know those to help them live a better life. They knew them so that they could point somebody else's flaws and sins out. You can often pick a religious person because... That's what he or she is doing. They're always picking out the flaws of somebody else. Oh, let me tell you about so-and-so. Oh, let me tell you about so-and-so. Why, why did so-and-so do that? Why, did, why in the world did she say that? Why in the world? Here, and, and by the way, it's almost always shallow. Did you see what she wore to church? Really? Really? 
Because if you're paying more attention to what people are wearing to church, you're shallow. Did you see her hair? I mean, what was she thinking? Did you see, did you see what he did? Did you see what he said? Did you see what he put on Facebook? And we're always constantly talking, and we're always constantly pointing out somebody else. We're pointing out somebody else's flaw. We're pointing out somebody else's sin. You can often tell a religious person when they're doing that. And, uh, and, 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 they're, and, they're, and they're living uh, a, a fake existence, a fake life, and pointing out somebody else's mistakes in their lives. Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Let me read just a couple verses to you. Psalm 78, a head knowledge without a heart knowledge. Psalm 78, verse 35. The scripture says, And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Their heart was not right with him. Boy, you can know the, 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 the words and you can know the terminology and you can know all these things in your head. And when the preacher asks you a question, you know all the right answers. But I'm telling you, if your heart is far from God, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're not in trouble with the preacher, you're in trouble with God. By the way, it's more important to be right with God than it is to be right with anybody else. We're so worried about what each other think, and we ought to be worried about what God thinks. He is the one that one day will stand before. So lip service without life service. Head knowledge without heart knowledge. Outside, but not the inside. Outside, but not the inside. You know... I think often of the disciples and God chose those disciples, right? I mean, do you, do you, do you, ever, do you ever think about that? He chose these 12 disciples, and he chose them for a reason. One of them was Judas. Jesus didn't accidentally pick them. Jesus didn't pick Judas not knowing who Judas was. Or who Judas was going to become, or what Judas was going to do. And I often think of these 12, just 12, that Jesus chose that Judas, who nobody else knew. You realize that, right? He put on a good show. Matter of fact, he was the treasurer. Now, there's one thing to trust somebody. There's another thing to trust somebody with your treasure. Is that right? Sure it is. It's one thing to trust somebody. It's another thing to trust somebody with your bank account. There's a lot of people I trust. and There's a lot of people that I, that I, that I have faith in. But let me tell you something. I'm not necessarily going to have you hold on to my million dollars. Yes, I got a million dollars. I have, it, I have it hidden away. But I mean that, I'm here to tell you you, you, you ask my kids, I don't even trust a bank. 
I'm the, I'm the mattress guy. I, I mean, I've got it in books. I've got, I told my wife, if I keel over suddenly, don't throw anything away. That was just the other day. I was, I was uh, pulling something out, and I, I keep, oh my goodness, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm terrible. I keep everything. I don't throw anything away. I just keep everything. So the kids will get something in a box. They'll say, Dad, you want this box? Of course I want this box. When I get a present, I'm going to probably wrap it in that box. After Christmas, they don't throw the box away. They give it back to me so I can reuse the box. I mean, obviously. So I pulled something out the other day. Uh, I pulled it and opened it up and said, oh, I forgot I had that. I don't even remember what it was. And when he's like, what in the world? That was from, I was tr- trying, trying some shoes on. You know, I, I basically have old man shoes because my feet are terrible. And so I just wear old man shoes all the time. And uh, I had these pair, pair of shoes that I had up in my closet. And I was uh, ch- checking with my girls or the fashion police. And so I said, these, are, these, these shoes are okay. And they said, yeah, they're certainly better than Jesus sandals. That's what they call those, you know, those old, old sandals. Uh, and uh, I said, oh, yeah, I said, that's true. I went in and got my Jesus sandals out. I ha- still have a pair. And uh, put them on, and they are like, Dad, no, no. You, if you go out of the house with those things. So, I mean, I keep, I mean, absolutely keep everything. And so I've got, I've got all these things, and, and uh, I just absolutely, uh, uh, I just, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue. It's a problem. Uh, but we, we have this, uh, we have this, uh, this aura, this aura of putting on who we are, right, in front of other people, but who we really are is inside. Not this outward person that we make everybody else think that we are. We want people what? We want people to think we're put together, right? We want people to think we have, we have our act together, that we don't make any mistakes, that we're just, I mean, we, that we've got it all together. There's no problems in our marriage. There's no problems in our family. There's no problems at our work. And, and we look at that person and we think to ourselves, boy, I wish I had it together like she did. Boy, I wish I had it together like he did. And the truth is, they're a mess. And you know what? Nobody else may know it, but I promise you God does. Because man looketh on the outward appearance, but God, he sees the heart. And God sees the real you. And by the way, God sees the real you every day. Every day. Good days, bad days, up days, down days. Let's admit it. Well, I mean, it's obviously true. There are, there are days better than other days, and there are good days, and we're strong, and there's weak days, and we're sick. And, and, but let me tell you something. Uh, through all of those days, God knows who you are because God sees the heart. I can't see your heart, but God can see your heart, and he sees that heart every single day. The, the religious crowd, they're more worried about the outward appearance. Somebody comes in and we're more worried about molding them to make us make them look like us than we are worrying about their heart. I'd rather somebody I'd rather somebody be saved and look like they 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 came from from you know a punk rocker than for somebody to have their life put together and they look like everything's hunky dory and they die and go to hell. We got it backwards, folks. Because I want you to know this much. Sooner or later, if God's got your heart, He's got your inside, He'll take care of your outside. He always does. But it's the inside first. I remember before I got saved, 
I remember, there was, I remember thinking to myself, there's some things that I have got to get straight before I get saved. I mean, there's some things I've got to put down. There's some things I've got to change. There's some things I've got to rearrange in my life. Of course, I was getting the cart before the horse. And though some of those things that I tried, I just couldn't get rid of. I could not change. I could not put down. As hard as I tried, I could not do it. Because I was more worried about the outside than I was the inside. And Christians, we need to start worrying about the inside. We need to start, and I'm not saying the outside is not important, because I believe it is. But what does it matter if the outside is put together, if the inside has fallen to pieces and it's fallen apart? And I'm here to tell you there are more people today than ever before who you wouldn't even know it by looking at them. You think their life is together, but I'm telling you inside they are tore to pieces. I mean, they're depressed. They're angry. They're bitter. I, I know you know who they are. I know you know people that are like that. Some of them may be in your own family. Some of them may be at work. And you know that they walk around and, you, and they got everybody fooled. But man, inside they are, they are not doing good. If their inside was on the outside, you'd be like, oh, that's obvious. Man, they ain't doing good at all. Because we're more worried about the outside than the inside. The religious crowd is always more worried about the outside than they are worried about the inside. We need to take time. We need to take time with people to help them not only on the outside, but first on the inside. Listen to, to, to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. In verse number 8, the scripture says, Beware, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We're more worried about tradition. We're more worried about the outward appearance and how things work, then we are worrying about the inward man. It's philosophy and vain deceit. We need to get on board about helping people. People are struggling. We need to be there to help them. We need to be a shoulder for someone to lean on. We need to be an ear for someone to talk to. We need to be there for people. Not things. Things perish. Things go away. Money perishes. Money goes away. People are forever. And people are hurting. Even if they're not showing it, they're hurting. Do you know why the last person that you asked how they were doing and they said good or fine or whatever the word they used? You want to know why? You know why they said that? Because they're convinced you're not interested in how they're doing. It's true. This is, this is what we do. I'm guilty of it. Uh, you may not be, but most of us are. 
Hey, Miss Darlene, how you doing? You doing good today? Good. She's like, oh, hold on. Wait, wait a second. No, 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 I've got to go tell somebody else that they're doing good. Because, by the way, that's what we're doing. Oh, you're, you're doing fine, too. Oh, good, great. It was good talking to you this morning. That was a talk? Now, mind you, Sunday morning, it's kind of hard to have a conversation with somebody right before service. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we do that often. We'll even do it on the phone. Oh, you're doing good? Okay, great. Click. But how are you really doing? Oh, you... You want to you actually know how I'm doing. I got preacher friends. They love to hear themselves talk. 99 times out of 100, preachers love to hear themselves talk. They just do. I have them. I, I got them. I got good buddies. Forrest knows who they are. And, I, and, and they'll say, so, so, how, so how are you doing? This is my answer. Good. How's the church? Great. You want to know why? Because, let me tell you something. If I get past a third word, they're talking again. So you really don't want to know how the church is going. You don't really want to know. Not kid them. We kid back and forth all the time. And, and, but that's what we often do. Because let me tell you what. Our religion and often our relationships are shallow. They're shallow. Shallow is a mud puddle. There's no depth to them. There's no serious conversations that we sit down and talk to each other. You know what? Many marriages, let me tell you what many marriages are. They're shallow. Surface only. No, no meaningful conversations going on. How was, how, was your, how was your day today, honey? Oh, it was good? Okay, because the football game's on. I, you can tell me about it later. Click. Or we pick up a book or whatever it is that you do. We don't, don't take time for people. And people are the only thing that's going to last forever. Everything else perishes. Everything else fades away. But people last forever. So we need to take time. We need to take time not with religion. We need to take time with Christianity. We need to take time with what God says and move forward with Him and for Him to make a difference in this generation. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning, our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. You have a head knowledge, you know about Him. You know that He died for you on the cross. You know that He was buried. You know that He rose again the third day. You know that He's at the right hand of the Father. But knowing those things won't help you. You need to, by faith... Trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what saves us. Not a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. We need to not have lip service, we need to have life service. We need to not just deal with the outside man, we need to deal with the inside man and be sure that it's not perishing day by day. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, and you're not saved. You say, preacher, I'm not sure about it. This morning, would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up and right back down this morning, and I'll pray for you. Is there one? I'm not sure about it, preacher. Please remember, remember me in your prayers. I'm not sure I'm saved. Isn't it a blessed thing to be saved? 
to know Christ as our Savior, to know our sins are forgiven. If you're a Christian and you know Christ is your Savior, then, then stop living with a head knowledge and start living with a heart knowledge. Stop just using your lips and start losing your life. And make sure, make sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the inward man is taken care of and then deal with the outward man. Otherwise, all you have is empty religion. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, to piano playing this morning, a hymn invitation. If you need to come, I invite you to come to Old Fashioned Altar and do business with God this morning.